This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Thanks for stopping by the Unlimited Unloaded page for this Unlimited Unloaded exclusive version of Bulls Beat. We did not have a show on the stream Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. That was planned ahead of time with exam weeks with no play-by-play for the entire week and taking advantage of the opportunity not only to get a couple of mornings off but get some other stuff done as far as well some of it frankly quite boring but needs to be done we have a lot of audio that we have stored up and well sometimes it takes up a little storage on the old computer so been able to clean some stuff up and also do some new production if you've heard some of the new imaging elements coming in and out of breaks you'll hear some of the members of the basketball teams and uh, that kind of thing just to spruce up our sound also, we can tell you that we're getting ready to lay it out, and I want to make sure I don't miss anything. The top 22 games of 2022, we'll start to throw those in next week. Yes, it'll be a countdown style, and I do not want to miss any games. So as I put out on Twitter, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, if there was a game that we had on Bulls Unlimited that you want to hear again and you think was one of the best games of the year, make sure you tweet at me and we'll... Try not to leave them out. Here on this unloaded version of the program, we're going to give you plenty of sound from Thursday when we talked to Jose Fernandez along with the top three scores for the women's basketball team, namely Dulce Fankamangiadu, Elena Chinecki, and Sammy Puises about the big game against NC State on Sunday. Yours truly will be on the microphone for that one starting at 1.45. And Monday night is when Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston return to the airwaves as the Bulls are at Northern Iowa on the men's side. We'll preview that for you, obviously, on the Monday streamed version of the show. Here on the Unlimited Unloaded exclusive version, we figured we might have some news for you when it comes to the football coaching staff. The hint was dropped by Alex Golish at his press conference that he had already gotten his guy as far as the defensive coordinator and it became official his name is Todd Orlando 27 years of coaching experience recently at Southern Cal and Texas most recently at FAU where he was their defensive coordinator for the Owls along with the linebackers coach Alex Golish says Todd is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country I've coached against and schemed against his defenses and I am beyond excited that I don't have to anymore He'll be aggressive, he'll be intense, and we're going to have a blast on defense. You can go to GoUSFBulls.com and get all of his recent stops. They produced 21 turnovers last year, which was top 25 in the country. Remember the Pac-12 played that shortened six-game season? Well, his Trojans had 16 takeaways in that season after getting that many in a full year before. In the three seasons at Texas, you got it. 65 forced turnovers, best in the Big 12. And plenty of competition with the Bulls because he was at UConn for 12 years, basically through the aughts decade. He is originally from Big 10 country as he was a member of the early 90s Big 10 championship team as an inside linebacker at Wisconsin. Todd Orlando, the new defensive coordinator for the Bulls. Before we get to the women's basketball, which is why you're here, a couple of quick notes elsewhere. We're in that part of the schedule where it is just basketball going on, but before you know it, of course, in February we'll have baseball and softball, but before that even, tennis gets on the court and they've gone ahead and released the spring schedule for Ashley Fisher's team, and it's a good one. No surprise in that because, frankly, their schedule last year was the reason they got into the NCAA tournament with a 14-10 and overall record. It is interesting. They'll start off in Boca Raton playing three solid opponents, Rice, Cal, Santa Barbara, and FAU. They'll stay down there and play FGCU. So they'll actually play, believe it or not, seven matches before the 
quote-unquote kickoff event. That's the big one where you only get invited the ITA kickoff if you're one of the best 64 teams in the country. Bulls playing in Gainesville for that one. We'll have plenty of chances to talk before the season begins, obviously, but wanted to note that for you. It's on GoUSFBulls.com. Ashley Fisher's team will have a different look. They had a couple of staples transfer out so it is a bit of a new look roster but again we got much more time to talk about tennis the season begins though really next month wow it is december isn't it i should probably get my christmas shopping going anyway on to a couple of soccer notes before we give you some women's basketball audio congratulations to sal mazafaro member of the men's soccer team a stalwart on the defensive line for four years and he made the united soccer coach all-region team, was a third-team member in the East. Gotta say, some other Bulls deserve recognition to me. Brian Schaefer, also defense, Takura Mariyama, defensive mid, and Ashmir Spengler up front. But first of all, the Bulls didn't have flashy offensive numbers. Secondly, the East region included everybody in the American and the Big East, and along with the ACC, which was the best, and the Big Ten. Those were two of your top four conferences, so stiff competition to get on that all-east squad. And why was it not all-south? Well, the south actually included the ACC, and the southeast included the Sun Belt, which was number one Kentucky and teams like Marshall. A little bit screwy how they do it geographically, but the point is the competition was fierce for spots on the United Soccer Coaches All-East Region Team, and Sal Massaferro got on it. And if you saw me tweet it out on Thursday night, former Bull Emilio Icaza has signed with the Charleston Battery. That's in the USL, one of the teams that the Tampa Bay Rowdies compete with, and he will reunite with former teammate Avion Flanagan. So actually, the Charleston Battery tweeted out a cool photo of those two guys meeting up after a game this past year with their horns up, and now they get to play on the same pro team. Side note, the president, the new president of the Charleston Batteries, Lee Cohen, former Rowdies president. I'm sure there's a connection as far as him picking up some USF guys that way. Now let's get to some conversations that we had. The media was convened at the Moomis Center before their practice, talking about the women's basketball team Thursday. Another voice you'll hear is Will Turner, who covers the Bulls very, very well for 24-7 sports and will actually be in Raleigh as well. So that's the other voice you'll hear. Speaking to Jose Fernandez, coming off the big win against Texas last Friday and looking to build upon it against number eight, NC State. So if you look at where we're at right now, being eight and two with the schedule that we've played, uh, I think we're in a good place. Our only losses are against two very good programs, two top 25 programs. If you look at our four big wins in Alabama, Georgia Tech, uh, Texas and TCU, you know, four four wins against football five, power five, whatever you want to call it, programs. But you know, I think uh, a couple of Jacksonville is going to have a really really good year. You know, that's what you hope for. You hope uh, that in, in November, December, you challenge your team, you get some good wins, and the people that you beat keep winning. So it helps you out in March and April. Knowing what you've got coming up, two top tens, obviously, and mm-hmm. maybe another. definitely a top 25 team. How important was it to actually get a win against Texas to sort of solidify this part of your schedule? That was good, especially though, I mean, I thought thought we gave the, you know, the Michigan game. Now, Michigan did some things in that fourth quarter that that, uh, benefited them, you know, those three threes that we gave up. You know, that kid only hits one, you end up beating Michigan, then it's a totally different scenario the next day against Baylor. To go on the road and play and and get a win in, in that type of environment against a really good program and someone that's that does a really good job coaching. Uh, it's a credit for uh, to our kids, you know, because those they're going to win a lot of games, you know. So it's only going to 
but it'll only help our net and strength of schedule. You mentioned the Michigan game. The sets weren't great offensively in the last five minutes. Obviously much better against Texas. What was the difference in execution? It was fantastic. Uh, you look back, you're up seven, and you go empty on two trips, right? We missed a shot in transition against Michigan. You turn it over. If, if we don't turn over the, the ball like we did and do a much better job on the glass, it's a different outcome against Texas as well. So uh, it, it's part of learning and growing, and I think this week we've really just concentrated on us on us getting better and things we needed to fix. Today will we'll, we'll be the first day that we really watch film on NC State because we wanted to use, we were off yesterday, Monday and Tuesday, just concentrate on things that we needed to improve on. Looking at NC State, a, a, a team that's a lot different than what Wes has had maybe in the past mm -hmm. couple of years, played very good basketball. Just, you know, what have you seen about, uh, about NC State? You got good balance, you got good inside play, they got good perimeter play, and they got a point guard that's very, very good. So. I mean, if you look at his success there and what he's done, we were very fortunate two years ago to get an opportunity to play them in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, we're up at half and, you know, we had two guys foul out and got into foul trouble, which didn't help us. So we're going to have to do, a, uh, we're going to have to play a really clean game, uh, make sure we stay out of foul trouble, do a good job defending. Um, that preparation, they, they run a lot of stuff just like we are. So I think it's going to come down to what team's going to defend and execute the best way on the offensive end of the floor. And then, you know, controlling the free throw line, sideline out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, all the little things. Are, uh, are Caitlin and Maria any closer to coming back? I know Maria said possibly around December. Mm -hmm. Maria's closer than Caitlin. But uh, Maria on Monday and Tuesday. It was the first time she went against full contact and went up and down the floor, so that's a positive sign. You know, Maria, well, Maria's a little bit, f just a little kind of further ahead than Caitlin. I anticipate definitely we'll have them both before league play. It's probably not gonna look like a Christmas tree, but you're gonna have red and green in Raleigh. Tell uh, people about the extra fan base that you have coming. Yeah, we're gonna take, uh, we're gonna take like 40, uh, 40 of our support supporters and donors on, on our, uh, on our trip and all 10 practice Saturday night and also we eat with the team on Saturday night. So give them a little uh, first glance experience. And I know the Raleigh alumni chapter uh, is, is putting together a, a big get together. So hopefully we have a good turnout in uh, green and gold in Raleigh. Which is where we'll be and it should be a little bit of extra road soundtrack action as far as Bulls fans because generally they are seated right behind the visiting bench, although there'll be a lot of voices from NC State. He mentioned the foul trouble. Boy, that's the thing that jumped out when the Bulls played in the 21 NCAA tournament. That was the bubble tournament. They had beaten Washington State, and they were ahead by a point against NC State in the Alamo Dome. Gosh, I remember being at the top of the dome. Even from my far perch, I could clearly see that the NC State All-American center, Alyssa Kunan, anytime she was touched, barely, it was a foul, and both Bulls starting center, Shea Leverett, and power forward Betty Manunga fouled out in that game. Remember, you had Beatrice Jordal come off the bench, play 14 minutes. It was just a problem in that regard. Still, the Bulls played very well, hung around throughout that one before losing 79-67. to Mention Alyssa Cunane. She, along with their point guard, Reina Perez, and their clutch player, in fact, that was her nickname, Clutchfield, Kai Crutchfield, and their power forward, Kaylin Jones, have all moved on. So they lost four of their five starters from a team that made the Elite Eight. Their head coach, Wes Moore, is outstanding. He has gotten them to the Sweet 16 and beyond.
basically each of the last four seasons, including that Elite Eight trip that ended with a double overtime loss to UConn. So who do they have back from that team? A player that, frankly, would be a starter on pretty much every other team. Diamond Johnson was actually their second leading scorer. Now she does become the point guard and an outstanding shooter of the basketball. Try 51% on threes, 25 of 49. And her assist-to-turnover ratio is 38 to 16. She averages around 14 points per game. Then two more in double figures. Jada Boyd, who is the power forward off the bench, slots into the starting lineup, 11 points per game, and second in rebounding with five a game. Jakia Brown-Turner, the lone returning starter, she can do it all, averaging 10.5 points and around four rebounds. Then Madison Hayes, who is a transfer originally from Mississippi State, didn't really play much for the Wolfpack last year. And then Camille Hobby, who is a 6'2 center, who the Bulls actually faced in that NCAA tournament game. And she was a bit player, but she's now in her first year as a starter, emerged, averaging around 8 and 5 per game. They also have Saniya Rivers, who is a very interesting case. First of all, by look, she looks the part of a stellar basketball player, and she got recruited to South Carolina. Last year as a freshman, didn't play much with the Gamecocks. And didn't make many shots. She was 1 for 31 on threes. And this year was 0 for 6. That's right. She was 1 for her first 37. Then against Iowa, she went 3 for 4 and scored 22 points. So that's another name to remember now. She also is not a good free throw shooter. Well, 50%. But then River Baldwin, who is their 6'5 center off the bench, who actually leads the team in rebounds, but only plays 15 minutes. You know why? Her free throw shooting is definitely a hazard. 8 for 22. Outside, though, of Rivers and River Baldwin, the rest of the team shoots around 80% from the free throw line. Jada Boyd is 19 for 20. So it's an outstanding team, even missing some of its key pieces from the last few seasons. And with the foul trouble that befell the Bulls the last time they played NC State, you don't have that All-American presence in the center, so that's probably a good thing. But they will be at home. Yeah, they could get some calls. And that's one of the things that was brought up with Dulce Fank and Mangiadu as part of our conversation here at the Bulls Center. All right, Dulce, uh, you guys have always played against good opponents, but how was that different the other day? Uh, the crowd, it was loud. Uh, you guys had to come together. Was it a little more special to, to win that yeah, one? It was. More, I think it was the first game this year we had that much crowd. And it was a way against a really good team. It was really different. We really had to be close together, like, being more focused about what you had to do and all that. When you uh, took the ball at the free throw line and drove the lane, I mean, you have to do what you have to do. Had you? Uh, yeah. Rito needs help with five on the shot clock. To Dulcie, wants to drive in. That's a big shot, foul, and one! What a move by Dulcie Fankamangiadu! That was a big play. Take, take us through that from your point of view. <laughs> I really don't know. I think I was just calm, you know. Inside, I was like, okay, I have the ball. I need to do something. I saw the gap, and I just took it. Well, you've been getting to the, the free throw line a lot this year and been pretty consistent. Uh, how, speak about that part as far as how often you work on free throws and that kind of thing every practice. I mean, I'm pretty sure Coach Jose told you we work on free, on free throws every day. We have to shoot like 50 shots even before going back home. So it's been helping us a lot on like getting used to getting on the free throw line and all that. We cannot really complain about the effort because that's what it is as a game. So we would just have to be careful and be aggressive without really fouling. And we'll see how it goes. When you picked up that fourth foul the other day, 
terrible call, but you don't have to say that. Um, <laughs> uh, how does that change your approach defensively? I mean, what, what's basically the thing in your mind that you have to remember? I cannot get up. That's basically the, my mantra. I was just yelling in my head, I cannot get out of the game because it will be bad. So I just had to be really careful. I was kind of being a leader in the defensive things, you know, like not really trying to touch and all that. And it worked. I guess like for the NC State, I will have to do the same thing. <laughs> I just cannot get it. Yeah. So she knows how to stay in the game with foul trouble, the key, I think. We'll be not getting there. Frankly, it will be an issue at some point in the season for the Bulls. And Jose Fernandez kind of alluded to it. Players like your backup center, technically Emma Johansson. Also guards, Jeanette Arnio and Maria Asensio. You can see the talent in all of them. And we saw it actually in the form of production early in the season when the Bulls frankly played some lesser opponents. But once it's gotten to the tougher opponents, Alabama, the tournament in Estero, and then of course in Austin against Texas, you saw their playing time diminish, the only exception being the one half where starting point guard Ariel Wilson sat out against Villanova due to a minor injury. Moving along to someone who has not been a minor member of the team among the nation's three-point shooting leaders, Sammy Puisis. All right, Sammy, so you're up there in three points, so of course I'm not going to ask you about those. I'm going to ask you about your mid-range shots at the end against Texas. Ariel Wilson whips it around to Puisis, right side, drives for a baseline jumper and knocks it down. What a clutch shot by Sammy Puisis, 25 seconds left. When has that sort of been incorporated into your game? I know you've been working on it. Yeah, this summer I definitely wanted to expand my game, so that was a big key emphasis. I was just working on, you know, putting the ball down the floor. Um, So now when players come and close out super hard, I'm able to get by them and pull up. And I know at FSU you guys always play a tough schedule, but uh, speak to the schedule that you've got in this program, especially still what's coming. Yeah, the, the schedule that USF plays is a lot tougher than what we would play at FSU, um, but it's super fun. It's a great opportunity for us, you know, getting to play all these ranked teams. Um, but, you know, after beating Texas, you can tell that we can play with them. And then last one for me, uh, you know, you've gotten to enjoy, I'm sure, this experience, getting to, to meet the girls and now see how they come together on the court. You've done it on the road. Like, talk about becoming part of the team and how, how you guys get along. We get along great. We're all best friends. Um, you know, everyone, there's a lot of internationals, so we're all very different. Um, but it's super fun, and we have a great time on the court together. Awesome. You've played NC State a few times in your, in your career, I'm sure, at, at FSU. Just what stands out about them and what makes them so good? They're very solid at every position, super athletic. Um, they always have, you know, a good point guard, great posts. So we're definitely going to have to all bring our A game. It's very loud. They have a huge fan base, um, very packed gym. So it's, it's going to be a crazy one. It has been an interesting progression for the Bulls this year, from friendly confines to first road game, pretty good crowd at TCU to best opponents in a neutral environment in Estero to, yeah, last time out, it was loud in Austin. And from what I understand, it's going to be a lot more so in Raleigh since the 2016 season began, basically Westmore's heyday as the coach with the Wolfpack. They are 48-2 at home against non-conference opponents. Elena Chinecki, looking forward to that environment as we wrap it up here. Asked Jose about the difference between Michigan when you guys were leading and didn't execute great on offense and Texas where you had to execute the last five minutes and you did. What was the difference for you? I think we were just more patient. 
and we just really ran our stuff, executed. We really listened to the coach. I think that's what we learned when we played against Michigan. We did not execute as much as we wanted, so that was a good lesson because we just took that lesson for the next game, so that's how we were able to win. One thing you guys do well is communicate both offensively and defensively. That difference, though, it was hard to communicate in Texas. It was loud. How did, how did was, you guys battle through that? Because it seems like you had no issues with it. Yeah, it was super loud. The crowd was going crazy, but we just had to huddle really tight and stick to each other so we can hear each other and play with a plan and play with purpose. And since it's going to happen again probably this Sunday, a uh, similar crowd, I'm sure, do you enjoy that kind of environment? Oh, yeah, of course. I think every, every player loves a big crowd that just cheers. It's a, it gives a lot of adrenaline. It's just great to play with that big crowd, yeah. Your assists are going through the roof, and I think a lot of them are you know, just throwing it out to number three. Yeah, how has it been to uh, – what's it been like having her on the team? How incredible I mean, of a shooter is she? It's just like a great addition in the team. When, when players – when – Teams playing against us, they like scout players, and they usually, when I have the ball, they're just gonna stand in the gaps. But when I drive it, it's really easy to find her because she knows when where to move. So it's just a kick pass, and she's just gonna make the shot, and I trust her. So that's that's a great addition. Addition, yeah. We'll see how it all adds up on Sunday. Thanks for dropping by for this special version of Bulls Beat. Again, the original plan was not to do a show Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, but when the Bulls made Jose Fernandez and those three individuals available to the media on Thursday, I figured, well, I'm not going to let it go to waste, and I hope you enjoyed the opportunity to listen to them. We normally on Friday also do an Around the American show on Bulls Unlimited. I can tell you there have been some very interesting scores in all the sports, uh, but certainly the most interesting in women's basketball came on Wednesday night after blowing a 16-point second-half lead at Troy. Tulane gathered itself for a 103-100 to double overtime victory. Other stuff that's happened since our last conference show after playing a lot of close defeats, Houston rolled Maryland-Baltimore County 67-43 to SMU, romped past future conference team North Texas 64-46. Funny how the net rankings work on Thursday night. Tulsa and Memphis both win games but drop in the net rankings. That's why, folks, Jose Fernandez schedules the way he does. I feel bad saying who their opponents were, so I won't. But basically, Tulsa dropped from 75-84 to with a win. And Memphis, barely now the second-best team in the conference from a computer ranking, dropping from 50 to 58 with a 26-point win. SMU is in that third spot in the league, if you're curious. Of course, during our broadcast on Sunday, we'll give you not just the league scores, but the top 25. Last night, two teams talk about how one result can impact your ranking essentially swapped spots with Kansas destroying Arizona. Kansas is 17 up from 32, and Arizona went from 18 to 35. The Bulls sit in the 42 spot, and they will move up regardless of what happens on Sunday when they play NC State. And I'll wrap up this special version of Bulls Beat here on the Unlimited Unloaded page.